It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. Yeah, the president sounded like he's concerned about it, but no specifics, no change in policy. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. President Biden is in Lithuania for the Vilnius NATO summit as Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky voices his criticism of the NATO alliance for not setting a time frame for Ukraine's potential membership, and he questioning the United States' decision to send cluster munitions to Ukraine. When it comes to membership, I think the uh, summit will take note of the progress that Ukraine has made, which has been significant, and at the same time, the fact that work remains to be done in terms of reforming its military, uh, reforming its uh, and, and strengthening its democracy. So all of that will be coming out of the summit, but you've got a unified alliance that is going to demonstrate in very practical ways its enduring support for Ukraine, including the path to membership. And Congress is back in session after two weeks of recess with major hearings taking place from the Senate hearing on the PGA Tour Live Golf merger to the oversight of the FBI. That's led by the House Judiciary Committee. That will see FBI Director Christopher Wray testify. For a conversation on this and more, we bring you our panel, Fox News contributor, nationally syndicated radio host, Leslie Marshall, former chief speechwriter for President George W. Bush, member of the Wall Street Journal editorial board, Bill McGurn, and Fox News senior congressional correspondent, Chad Pergram. Chad, up on the Hill, a lot of things happening. Uh, What's most interesting on your radar? Well, the thing we've been tracking uh, right off the bat here is this um, proposed merger between the PGA Tour and Live Golf. Uh, This was a pretty interesting hearing that we had for the Senate panel where, you know, there were a lot of questions about why the PGA Tour was saying publicly and criticizing um, the, uh, the the Saudis and, and live golf. And then mysteriously kind of behind the scenes, and this is what senators want to get to the bottom of, uh, why they were working with the, the Saudis, maybe trying to work this out. I mean, there was a document that was produced today by Richard Blumenthal, the chair of this uh, committee on investigations, the Democratic senator from Connecticut, that said that, you know, they were first having these talks as far back as December. And there's a couple of sources I had talked to, you know, who indicated that they knew nothing about this until it popped. I think you broke the story, in fact, Brett. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, this is where they're trying to understand, you know, was there a threat? Were the PGA's books so bad? You know, in the testimony today, Jimmy Dunn, uh, who negotiated this, he's a PGA Tour board member. Uh, He basically said that, you know, they were plucking off, you know, five golfers a year. He said that would have tank the PGA Tour in five years. And so they feel like they were kind of pushed into this. Now, the other side of the story here is that the 9-11 families showed up. I interviewed Terry Strada. Her husband died in the North Tower. She had just given birth four days before her son, who's now in his 20s. He was at the hearing today. And she believes that Jimmy Dunn, 
who used to work in the World Trade Center, her term betrayed the 9-11 families. They said there's no reason they should be associating with Live Golf. And there's concerns by, you know, Senator Richard Blumenthal and some others saying, you know, it's one thing to have maybe, you know, the Saudis purchase a sports team. You know, they've done that in the Premier League in soccer. But to take over the entire scope. And as Jimmy Dunn testified today, he said their money is just it knows no horizon. And they were eventually going to bring all of those players over. So they're looking at that. And this is not the last we've heard of this on Capitol Hill. So is your sense, Chad, that uh, that there are more hearings to, on this front? Um, where does it go? It seems like it's kind of a done deal. Yeah, m- yeah, more more hearings. I mean, it was interesting to hear the PGA Tour witnesses today indicate that it was not a done deal, that they only had this framework. And that framework is rather murky at best, as, as you well know. Uh, you know, one thing that we should look at is whether or not they might try to revoke the tax exempt status of the PGA Tour. Uh, and also what is going to be the potential outgrowth. Again, if you have unlimited cash, there's only so many people who can start to afford some of these sports teams, let alone an entire league. Uh, you know, as somebody put it to me the other day, why not buy an NBA team? Why not buy, you know, a team in the NFL? Uh, this is something that concerns them, especially with a high profile sport like golf. Well, it's only July. You never know what comes yes, in the right. coming weeks. <laughs> Bill, what do you make of this? What do you make of this um, PGA Live and the concern of Congress and um, where that heads and really in the big picture, too, about U.S.-Saudi relations in the wake of all this? We've had kind of things like this before. You know, uh, America goes overseas and buys a lot of things and dominates a lot of fields. But we get upset when other people do. I remember when it was the Japanese and Rockefeller Center. So uh, it's not surprising. They have a lot of money and they can make a big impact quickly. Um, I'm not sure there's much more to say about it. Um, The players were really decided if they weren't uh, going to the Saudis, um, it wouldn't be an issue. But um, they clearly like the money. Um, I don't see if it goes through who is actually harmed by it, except maybe the PGA. But you could say the same as some American businesses overseas. Yeah, unless, I mean, you've got the NBA uh, working in China, um, which raises its own eyebrows as well. I think it's not just the perception of a sellout, which, in my personal opinion, this clearly is. I mean, I think we're, you know, being shown that everyone has a price, sadly. But, you know, the difference between China and the Saudis it, it, it comes down to not just 9-11 and not just Khashoggi. It's a, a very different flavor, of, although China has extremely gross, humane uh, rights violations and abuses in their country. Um, I think Chad, you know, points it out. And, and, you know, you also, you know, talk about it too, Brett. You have the Pandora's box here. Like, you know, at what price can they buy everything? They're talking about a world team, okay, uh, they're talking that and that the Saudis would, you know, control a lot of this. Uh, there are people within the PGA that say, hey, nobody asked for my opinion or, you know, a vote on this. And there is also a concern what this does to the PGA, what it does to the PGA tour. Um, you know, we know that Senator Blumenthal, a Democrat from Connecticut, is, you know, banging the drum, perhaps in Congress, the loudest on this. 
but you know it leaves a, a, a sour taste in my mouth at what point do you know because what what are we saying is you know you guys have all the money and you can buy anything from us you know you can you know china you know and uh you know the the, the middle east specifically saudi arabia it's it's just not a good look there's a there's a point where you have to say i will not sell out i don't care about the price tag Speaking of not caring about the price tag, um, Chad, there's still bipartisan support for supporting Ukraine. Um, There is a bit of a dust up over these cluster munitions, uh, but not one that's going to prevent the administration from moving forward. You know, Kevin McCarthy, the House Speaker, was asked about this today, about what we call a supplemental spending bill for Ukraine, because, uh, you know, they've said, okay, we're going to provide as much money as possible. There's a divide among most Republicans about this. There's one group of, uh, of Republicans who's like all in, another group that says we shouldn't be helping out here at all or, or, or we should really watch the books. Uh, but Kevin McCarthy said there is no supplemental bill for Ukraine. Now, I thought it was interesting in the negotiations, you know, uh, overseas, you know, we talk about Sweden now joining NATO. Uh, they've said, OK, Ukraine, not right now, uh, because, of course, then this involves the United States and the West, you know, NATO countries. If Russia were to attack a NATO country like quote, Ukraine, if that was to be the case. But look, we are basically helping Ukraine. I mean, they might not be in NATO, uh, but we are providing them with all these weapons. Uh, And it was very interesting to look at the divide on the Democratic side of the aisle between some Democrats who were all for the munitions munitions and others who weren't. I mean, Betty McCollum uh, from Minnesota, she's the top Democrat on the appropriations subcommittee, which funds the Pentagon, and she opposed this. And you've had others more concerned about human rights and saying, why are we giving them Uh, these types of weapons because of what they do. And so there's a divide on the Democratic side. Uh, We got to see what this big spending bill is going to look like uh, come September. They have to fund the government by September 30th. Kevin McCarthy has indicated that he will not uh, uh, move what they call an omnibus where they glom all the bills together. Uh, But maybe what they'll do is a what we call a a mini bus up here, uh, you know, with a nod to Volkswagen where they put together three or four bills at a time. But the other thing to watch and Ukraine will be part of this, is this discussion on the defense authorization bill. That's the policy bill which they're trying to move through the House right now. And they might not even be able to get that onto the floor because the Republicans are so divided. They want to put various amendments in that deal with uh, the, the Pentagon is too woke and restricting things like money to Ukraine. What that bill looks like is anybody's guess. And this is why Kevin McCarthy is trying to manage this. You know, they had trouble putting the gas stoves bill on the floor just a few weeks ago. Uh, this could be you know, a repeat of that, but something that actually counts, the defense bill. Yeah. Bill, do you think that Ukraine funding the war, uh, U.S. position, is going to be a bigger issue in the presidential election than we think it may be? No, I don't. I think it's an issue now because we kind of have the worst of both worlds. Um, I think President Biden has done a reasonable job, but I think he should usually have given um, the munitions earlier than he did. He always seems to be catching up. Like my only criticism of the cluster bomb decision was that it took so long. This should be a no brainer. The problem with cluster bombs is that some don't explode and they're left in the fields and years later they could be a threat. Well, our cluster bombs are um, have a dud rate of 2.35%. The Russians are using it, and they have 40%. The Ukrainians don't want to use it to harm their citizens. They calculate that their citizens face a greater threat than um, 
greater threat from Russia in the invasion and the counteroffensive than they do from uh, cluster bombs. Uh, what would happen after? I think they're the best ones to make that decision. There's going to be a lot of um, debate by this. You know, there's there's always a, a partisan effort to oppose stuff you might be in favor of if it was a, your own party. I mean, I worked in the Bush administration. I remember Democrats taking uh, outrageous positions on the war just because um, it was by George Bush. And I think there's some of that today. So I think someone that puts forward a coherent and forceful policy can do well, even though there's a lot of critics. I mean, even on the Democratic side, Leslie, and the traditional anti-war Democrat is not raising their hand other than Robert Kennedy Jr. Well, when you when you look at the landscape, I mean, certainly there have been cracks and this has started to fray after the debt limit deal. But, you know, largely members on both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats, are deeply committed to the victory in Ukraine, because even those people who are, you know, very progressive in my party, you know, left of left, um, they are deeply committed to freedom. And, and I think there's also that deep commitment to let's help David over Goliath. Um, I mean, certainly members on both sides of the aisle differ on specific tactics or details of policy. Um, but there is genuine support for Ukraine, not just because of the freedom, not just because, uh, you know, they're the underdog, you know, but also the manner in which, you know, this, you know, came about. Uh, even though, uh, you know, to Chad's point, yes, they are not a NATO nation, but I think the United States as a leader in democracy and freedom is saying we are going to support others who are seeking that as well. And and I think it's right to shelve any conversation about Ukraine being a member of NATO because they're in a full scale all out war right now. Panel, we'll hold it right there. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, They've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So, you know, you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Well, that is what's happening. And Zelensky, Chad, is saying, you know, that NATO should let us in. Uh, it should happen now. Uh, but you have Article 5, which is an attack on one, is an attack on all. And by the bylaws of NATO, uh, there would be drawn in to uh, fighting their 
more than it is already as far as providing munitions and, and backup. This would be actual forces. You know, and look at the history, you know, obviously admitting Sweden, Finland as well, you know, that's been on the table here. That's happened the past couple of years here. Uh, you know, whereas the, the Finns and some of the Scandinavian countries, they were kind of on the fence about this. Finland, you know, portions of that used to be part of Russia. And just the fact that, you know, you know, we've admitted them now. You talk to some Finns and they will indicate, hey, you know, we, we think overall that's a good thing. But we wonder because of the history in Ukraine now, is that going to be an issue for us? So when you when you when you look at this in the macro sense, and this is where I keep coming back to the point, Ukraine is not in NATO. And if you do an appropriations bill, a supplemental appropriations bill or any sort of, you know, they almost are de facto from a numerical standpoint, from a fiscal standpoint, they are in NATO because we are helping them. And this is the same thing that we're going to probably have to do for a few years until this is rectified. Uh, I mean, so maybe that point to some degree, frankly, is moot. If you've made that commitment to defend them, you're not putting U.S. forces on the ground, actually, but you're doing everything. But that's a lot of commitment. And that's also what enrages certain conservatives in the Republican Party who say we shouldn't be doing all this. You know, we, we have limited interest there or we shouldn't be as involved. We're trying to end these forever wars. That's something that they talk about. And they want no part of this. Yeah, And Bill, when you have the president saying over the weekend that one of the reasons he's sending cluster munitions is because, one, Ukraine's running out of munitions, but two, the U.S. is low on 155 rounds. Right. I think these are problems that can be dealt with. Um, I think the Biden administration was, uh, I'm a big critic of them, but I think they were right to send these weapons. I think they'll help level the field. And I think people that oppose it have lost uh, fundamental distinctions between who is the aggressor and who is trying to hurt civilians and who is trying to protect civilians. So um, I can't fault them for that. As for NATO, you know, before the war was launched, Putin was very nervous about NATO expanding and everything. He's brought about what he feared most with the other countries, as Chad mentioned, uh, Finland and Sweden. And eventually, um, I think Ukraine will be in, maybe not right now, but it will be in there. Even Henry Kissinger, who for years opposed Ukraine's entry, he says it would have to be, uh, NATO membership would have to be a result of the peace. So I think it's coming, maybe not fast enough for some people, but um, Putin is bringing about all the things he feared. Leslie, turning to politics on the Democratic side, what, okay, let's say this is Canada Casino, $100 in chips, you've got to spend them. What are the chances that President Biden does not go all the way to the general election? Oh, well, I'm never going to give anything 100% because I was always taught, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And I've learned mm -hmm. that in my own life. Um, so I would say uh, 99.999%. And the reason I say that is, you know, we none of us know when when our God's going to call our number. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying whether he would say a Lyndon Johnson and say I'm not I'm not actually running. I, you hear that more and more, not only in Republican circles but in Democratic circles, wondering whether Gavin Newsom is in the wings or others are, you know, somehow in the wings. 
I don't buy it. I mean, I don't know what cocktail parties y'all going to, but (laughs) (laughs) the parties that I'm going to, uh, you know, aren't saying that. Certainly Gavin Newsom is on a short list of people if President Biden, you know, God forbid, if something happened to him and he weren't to run. I don't think anybody, Democrat or Republican, male or female, regardless of their age, is in this for one term. And uh, I don't think Joe Biden is any exception. And honestly, you know, he he knows if he were to step down, it would be the vice president um, that, you know, people would look to. And of course, it would be others that would come out to challenge that. But I I don't think Joe Biden has any plans not to run, at least from the people I talk to. I don't hear anything contrary to that. Yeah. But yet you see all these articles uh, in different places raising not only his age, but his temperament, his uh, not acknowledging his seventh grandchild. I mean, it's it is a, a thread here, Leslie, that uh, traditional outlets that maybe wouldn't be doing that to the Biden administration are doing it. I think, you know, in this day and age, I think everybody is up for grabs and up for criticism. You know, I I personally, uh, I I don't like that he uh, does not um, acknowledge his seventh grandchild. Um, I, you know, I I think, you know, Brad, I have two kids and one's adopted and I can't stand when they'll say about a celebrity or an athlete or a politician, they have two children and an adopted son. It's like, no, they have three kids. You know what I mean? So that that's definitely a, a sensitive thing for me. Yeah, his age has certainly, you know, been brought up. You know, he has addressed that. He knows, you know, it's an elephant in the room that everybody, you know, talks about. I, I gotta tell you though, I, you know, I've seen Joe Biden, you know, uh in, in public when the camera aren't on and you know he's he is a no malarkey guy and if somebody gets it in his face he's always been that i don't see him like losing his temper if people are saying oh people when they get dementia they get cranky no i mean this is t- to me i i don't see a change in the personality at all i think this is consistent with the joe biden that he's always been last thing chad um what's the next big thing on capitol hill uh that maybe we're not paying attention to Well, I alluded to uh, the idea they have to fund the government here uh, later this year. Uh, Something else happens on September 30th. There are two other things. Uh, They have to approve the farm bill, and they also have to approve FAA reauthorization. Now, I don't have to talk to anybody here about what it's been like, you know, the disasters in the air of trying to, you know, get from hither to yon, uh, losing bags, problems they had over Christmas time systems breaking down, there is no confirmed FAA administrator, and all three of those things come due on the same day. You know, there used to be something in the financial sector they called triple witching, which is where these different types of bonds would all mature, you know, several times a year, I think it was four times a year, all on the same Friday. Well, we have triple witching here on Capitol Hill, where all three of those things are going to come due on September 30th. That is the biggest thing to watch. The second thing, 1A, I would say, Brett, is if they can work out any sort of an agreement with uh, Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville uh, releasing these holds on these promotions of these top military commanders and flag officers. Uh, There is no commandant right now for the Marine Corps. Uh, General Brown, who's been nominated to succeed Mark Milley as the uh, chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and Milley's term expires in October, uh, you know, had his confirmation hearing today. And what Tuberville is doing is he's making the Senate do everything by the book. Uh, to get through these nominations. And and usually what happens is they do this very quickly. Everybody agrees and they just move on. Uh, according to Jack Reed, who is the chair of the Armed Services Committee, if the Senate did everything by the book, working 24-7, 
This would take 27 days to promote all of these military officers. The reason he's holding this up is because he disagrees with the abortion policy where the military has said, and it's a policy saying you can now travel across state lines uh, to receive abortion services. And so that is a exactly at the military's expense. And that's going to be an issue in that defense bill. And it's going to be an issue come September 30th, triple witching, triple witching. There you go. Uh, panel, thank you very much. Now for a bit of history. On July 11th, 1804, in an attempt to restore his reputation after a heated race for New York governor, Vice President Aaron Burr challenged former Secretary of the Treasury Alexander Hamilton to a duel. That duel, which took place just outside Weehawken, New Jersey, ended with Hamilton shot in the stomach, mortally wounded. Hamilton died the following day in New York. Burr was charged with murder in both New Jersey and New York, but fled the state for South Carolina and then Washington, D.C. to finish his term as vice president. The charges were eventually dropped. Burr lived out his life in Europe and New York until his death in 1836. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Leslie, Bill, and Chad, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.